Dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, fastened securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of our topic of this hour is Delivered in 20 Minutes. I want to share with you some of my own conflicts and victories, and then the conflicts of others and their victories. When I was a little boy at home, I prayed earnestly for victory. I used to beseech the Lord. I would agonize and sob and go away only to commit the same sin again. I remember years later as a minister, they invited me to go to a convention and to tell people how to find deliverance. I remember the conflict that was in my soul as I thought, how will I tell them? What shall I share? Is it clear enough to me to help them? And then, friends, when we found the science of prayer, it was a glorious revelation. I pray that the Holy Spirit will bless your hearts, that you may learn how you too may be delivered in 20 minutes. I was in a man's home who was in trouble. His son had invited me to visit the father because he said, my daddy really wants to find deliverance over a bad habit. And so I went to visit him. And you know, my friends, when we were in the home, he unburdened his heart. And this was his particular request. He said, I want to stop smoking. Now, I don't want any of you to get the impression that smoking is the big sin in this world. It is not. The big sin in our world is sanctimony. It's Pharisaism. It's the holier-than-thou attitude. But I'm sharing with you the smoking habit and the deliverance that we may know that God can give deliverance and victory over any type of obsession or habit. I said, Brother, I want to share with you a promise. And I based my delivering uh, victory message to him on Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to share with you four facts that are found in this chapter, which I presented to him. The 20th chapter of the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, tells how Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, found several armies coming against him. This little kingdom was entirely inadequate to meet this horde of four armies in one. And so, as he heard the sad news, he knew there was no hope except as he would flee to God and God would come to his deliverance. So the four facts are these. Number one, when you don't know what to do, go to somebody who does know what to do. In the second uh, Chronicles, chapter 20, he looked up in the face of the Lord and he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And so, my dear friends, there are thousands upon thousands of men and women, well-meaning, sincere folk, who don't know what to do about their obsessions. They don't know how to handle the bad habits. Neither do they, do they know how to find salvation in Jesus Christ. 
When we don't know what to do, let us come to the Lord just like Jehoshaphat did. Number two, it says in the fourth verse, he came and asked the Lord. So Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask. It sounds like a very simple statement, my friends, but that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do. When we don't know what to do, we come to the Lord. He knows. So he said, come and ask. So they ask help of the Lord, it says there in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4 and onward. The third thing is to believe. When we ask the Lord to do what he's promised, then we're to believe. Just trust him, not because we feel that we have the answer, but because God cannot lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. So since we are claiming a promise of the Lord, we're asking him to fulfill his word, we don't have to rely on feeling. We rely on his word. And we do exactly what Jesus instructed us to do in Mark 11:24. He said, believe that you receive. I believe you, dear Lord, not because I have a funny feeling, not because I, I find a tingling going up and down my spine, but because God cannot lie. My eyes are on him. Number four, having known not what to do, but going to him who does know, having asked him to fulfill his promise, having told him that I believe, then the fourth step is to lay hold of this thing and claim what God has promised by saying, thank you, Lord, I do receive, I have received. Jehoshaphat did exactly that. He told the Lord he didn't know what to do. He went to the Lord who did know what to do. He asked the Lord to fulfill a promise that he'd made to, to Solomon. Then in the 20th verse, he said, Lord, we believe. And he turned to Israel and he told them with a challenging voice, believe, believe. And then as they went out against these armies, he set his choir in an array and had them sing victory songs, thanking the Lord for the victory that he'd promised. That is the format of deliverance. So I shared with my friend how to ask the Lord, and I opened the Bible to Matthew 7, 7. I said, Jesus said, ask, and it shall be given you. I said, do you notice that word given? I said, you can't pay for it. And then I related to him the experience of a niece of mine. She used to cause me uh, quite a bit of, of uh, trouble. <laughs> she was just a little kid, about six years old. Part of the time she was the sweetest. She would hug me and kiss me. And then again, she would sit on my lap and spit in my face. And I thought to myself, I wonder if there's some way that I can continue her love because I didn't want to spank her, for I was the guest in her home. So it dawned over me, and I was telling this man the experience, it dawned over me that maybe if I would give her a few pennies, when I figured that she was just about ready to act up, maybe she wouldn't turn and spit in my face. So I said to her, Artis, Uncle Glenn has something for you. And I gave her three pennies. She bounded off my lap, she ran to her mother, she said, Mommy, I just earned three pennies. Her mother said, Artis, how did you earn three pennies? She said, Uncle Glenn gave them to me. Her mother said, Artis, if Uncle Glenn gave them to you, you didn't earn them. 
She said, yes, I did, Mommy. I earned them. I said to my friend, do you see, my little niece couldn't understand the difference between the gift that I offered her and her earning it. I said, there's a world of difference. As you come to the Lord Jesus, he has said, ask, it shall be given you. You don't earn it. We do not deserve it. There's nothing we've done in this world by which it is ours. Jesus paid the price. So we're going to come to him and we're going to fall on our knees, brother. And I said, we're going to ask him to give you complete victory. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God that giveth us the victory. So we're going to ask him to give you the victory. I said, then we're going to take the next step. We're going to say, Lord, thank you. We believe that we receive it. And since we believe that we receive it, we'll take the fourth, fourth step. We'll say, thank you, Lord. We have received. The gift is in the promise. And I said, now we're going to kneel. Now I said, as we kneel, I'm going to ask God to fulfill the promise. I'm going to believe that he's fulfilling the promise, that he will deliver you. And I quoted Matthew 1, 21 to him. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So we're going to ask him to save you from this. We're going to believe it on our knees. We're going to claim it. Then I'm going to rise from my knees with you, and I'm going to shake your hand. And I'm going to say, brother, not because you feel it, but because God has promised it, and God cannot lie. Have you received it? And you'll turn to me and you'll say, yes, sir, I have received it. And it will be yours, brother. He said, all right. So we knelt together. We asked the Lord to do what he promised in Jesus to save him. I told the Lord, I believe you're doing it. And now, Lord, because the gift is in the promise, thank you, you have brought my brother the deliverance that we've requested. We rose from our knees. I reached out and I shook his hand. I said, brother, not because you feel it, but because God has promised and he cannot lie. Have you received it? Friends, I wish I had a picture of his countenance as he looked me full in the face with the simplest composure. He said, yes, sir. It was a business-like response. I didn't see a lot of feeling and emotion in his face at all. He did exactly as he was instructed. It was as if he'd gone up to a, to a counter in a market and said to the, to the owner, uh, give me a dollar's worth of bananas. And the owner had put these in a bag and handed them to him, and he'd handed over the dollar. It was just that businesslike. He was so businesslike, he was so unemotional, that, you know, Satan tempted me to doubt that the man knew what he was doing. And I thought, how am I going to be sure now that he, that he knows what he's doing? Was he merely parroting the words that I'd put in his mouth? Or had he really, in simple faith, reached out and took it? And while I was darting a prayer to heaven for wisdom, the Lord impressed me to say to him, Brother, I'm going home with you. And I'm going to relate to your wife the wonderful deliverance that you have received. They only lived a, a few blocks from there. Uh, in fact, I told you to begin with that I'd already been to his home. Actually, he'd been to my home. 
Now we're going to walk to his home. Just a couple blocks away, I said, now we're going home and we're going to share with your wife the wonderful deliverance that the Lord has given you. He said, all right. And I could see there was not a, the slightest question in his mind that surfaced. So as we're walking along toward home, as I recall now, I was sharing with him <clears throat> how happy I was that the Lord had delivered him in such a beautiful way. When he walked into his home and I followed, I recall his wife was right in the front room, right in the middle of the room. And I thought, now, in fact, before I arrived at their home, I remembered that she was a very rapid talker. <laughs> and she talked just like a magpie. And I thought to myself, if we walk in that house and I start to tell her the victory the Lord's given her, that lady is liable to talk doubt. In fact, I had already heard from her son that every time the man tried to stop this habit, his wife would talk doubt because every time he stopped smoking, he would have the nosebleed. And the nose would continue to bleed until he'd smoke again, something I had never heard of. And so his wife had said, Honey, she said, you can't stop smoking. You're not supposed to stop smoking. God doesn't require it of you. So as I was walking toward that home, I was thinking, what in the world am I going to do? How am I going to be able to talk faster than this lady talks and overcome her spoken doubt? And I had said to myself on the way to the home, Lord, help me to talk faster than this woman. Now I was in the house. There she was in the, in the center of the room. And I started talking just as enthusiastically as I could speak. I said, sister, rejoice with us. God has just given your husband complete victory over tobacco. And you ought to have seen the expression on her face. The lady stood there motionless. And the fact that she didn't say a word almost put me into shock. She, she reminded me of someone who told me about a deer that they'd shot up in the north woods. They said this deer was so well poised that when they shot the deer dead, it still stood there for a moment. It didn't even know it was dead. <laughs> and that's the way she stood. And she just looked at me. And I was so amazed that I was lost for words. And there each of us was looking at the other and neither one of us saying a word. And of all things, she spoke first. She said, Pastor, you know, I wish while the Lord's giving victory, he would give me victory. Now I was more amazed than ever. She had been a faithful member of our church family for years and years. And I said, give you victory? Give you victory over what? I wonder how many of you have ever heard of the term coffee heart? It applies to an individual whom coffee affects in a more dangerous way, perhaps even than tobacco. She said, Pastor, I have wanted deliverance over coffee for more than 20 years. And she said, I wish while the Lord is giving my husband victory over tobacco that he would give me victory over coffee. She said, I have asked the Lord for victory 
don't think I haven't been sincere. She said, in fact, every time there has been an altar call in our church for 20 years, I've gone to the altar and I've stood there and then fallen on my knees before the Lord and I've literally begged of the Lord to deliver me from coffee. And she said, and you know, I've, I've gone right back home and taken enough, another cup of coffee. And she said, in fact, I've kept the coffee pot on my old-fashioned stove 24 hours out of every day. And this has been going on year after year, year after year. I've been crying out for deliverance. I've gone to the church. I've gone to the front. I've fallen on my knees. I've begged of the Lord. And I've gone right back home and engaged in the same habit again and again and again. Pastor, is there any way I could be delivered? I said, yes, sister, let me ask you this. When you're on your knees asking God to deliver you from this habit of coffee, did you say, Lord, I believe you're doing it, and I thank you I have received, Friends, you ought to have seen the expression on her face then. She said, no, of course I didn't do that. Was I supposed to do that? I said, well, let me, let me illustrate, my sister. Suppose your son should come home and walk up to you one day and say, Mother, I need $5 desperately. And he would fall on his knees and say, Oh, Mother, will you please give me $5? And you would hold out to him a $5 bill. And there he would be on his knees pleading with you to give him the $5 bill. And there you are holding it out before him. He's on his knees begging, actually sobbing in great agony because he is desperately in need of it. I said, as his mother, what would you want your son to do? She said, Pastor, I'd want him to take it. I said, Sister, for 20 years and more, the Lord has been holding out to you victory. And you've been just like that boy. You've been on your knees, crying, pleading, begging, beseeching. But that's only the first part of prayer. You've merely been asking. Prayer consists of three parts. It's a threefold development of asking, Matthew 7, 7, of believing, Mark 11, 24, and then receiving, Matthew 21, 22, John 11, 41. I said, now I can see that you're grasping the point. Why don't we kneel now? And as we ask the Lord to save you from this thing that you're asking deliverance for, why don't we then say, Lord, I believe. And then we'll go into the third part of the prayer. Lord, thank you, I have received. Not because I feel it, but because God cannot lie. I shared with her a few experiences of other individuals who had reached out 
and had asked the Lord to do what he promised, who had believed him because he cannot lie, and then had actually taken his gift in simple childlike faith. And I could see in her countenance that a new revelation was taking place. She was grasping the truth that when we ask the Lord, we're to believe and tell him we believe, for expression deepens impression. And then we're to reach right out and take hold of it. The Bible says, lay hold of eternal life. The same principle applies as we reach up out for victory and deliverance over any bad habit. So we knelt. In my prayer, I told the Lord, Dear Lord, you promised. You promised in Matthew 1, 21, as, as my brother and I claimed just a little while ago in my home, you promised to deliver, to save. Now, Lord, we ask you to do it for our sister, just like you've done it for her husband. And Father, we believe it because God cannot lie. And now, Lord, we are taking it, we are receiving it, and thanking you that we have received in Jesus' name, amen. And we stood to our feet. I reached over to this lady, I shook her hand, and I smiled. I said, Sister, not because you feel it, but because God is promised, and he cannot lie. Have you received deliverance? I shall never forget her response as long as memory shall continue. She stood there looking into my face and she said, uh, 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 uh. You know what she was doing? She was fighting the fight of faith versus feeling. She didn't feel delivered, but God had promised it. And finally she said, uh, yes. I knew that she needed to express it more freely. I let go of her hand. I took her hand again. Sister, and I smiled a little more broadly so she wouldn't feel that I was belittling her. Sister, not because you feel it, but because God has promised. Have you received deliverance? It came a little easier. She said, uh, uh, yes. I let go of her hand again. And I smiled tenderly. And I said, as I took her hand the third time, sister, tell me again, not because you feel it, but because God has promised, has he given you deliverance? She said, yes, Pastor Coon, he has. I said, sister, according to your faith, be it unto you. And I went home. The next Sabbath morning, I walked into church early. She was walking in another door as I walked in the first. And as her eyes met mine clear across the church sanctuary, that lady's eyes lighted up. She almost ran to where I was. She said, Pastor, it works, Pastor, it works. She meant God works. She said, I haven't touched a drop since you're in my home. Months passed, her husband had complete deliverance. He never had the nosebleed again. Months later, as we were bidding farewell to the church family. They had a, a, a little farewell party for us. While the hundreds were sitting there, it came to a little interval, a little recess, 
she made her way over to where my wife and I were sitting. What a smile played on her face. Pastor, do you remember months ago when you were in my home? I said, do I? She said, Pastor, never one drop has, has passed my lips from that day to this. God has given me complete victory. And friends, when you don't know what to do, go to God who does know. Then ask him to fulfill his promise. Because he cannot lie, believe, believe. And then reach up in simple childlike faith and say, thank you, Lord, not because I feel it, but because you cannot lie. And the gift is in the promise I have received. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.